Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering Podcast. We're New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phelps. Got a bonus episode for you for the weekend. We had an episode earlier this week. We talked to WFAN's John Dostremski. We recapped the conference championship games, the Super Bowl betting special. Kevin Wall from Sports Group is on. We have another football episode next week. We're going to preview the big game of Russell Baxter. We're going to do the full Super Bowl picks of Kevin Lillis and show me the money. Bunch of good stuff there, but before we get there, I want to give a bonus episode for the weekend. Talk the Hall of Fame situation here. We had a Hall of Fame vote. We had nobody elected. We had some other interesting baseball news items. So I'm going to be joined by our baseball legal guy, Phil Freyette. We're going to talk about all these things and more in just a moment. All right, we are back here talking to our legal correspondent, Phil Fryetta. Phil, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? Doing pretty good. Also, you're a big baseball guy. We'll get to the legal stuff in a minute because I know there's some questions of the baseball situation, but we could talk about the Hall of Fame first because the Hall of Fame vote came out this week, and I was not expecting much, and shocker of all shockers. Nobody got elected in this class. You know, you could say there are at least several candidates worthy of the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and just on their numbers alone. And 14 blank ballots. Phil, I know you have some thoughts. I know you were furious about this. Yeah, so uh, I, when this came out, I actually texted you and told you I wanted to come on. So thanks for uh, for letting me come on. And you know, as we're going to get to later, uh, baseball's got a big problem with collective bargaining and we've been talking about that over the past year or so on your podcast but these writers they have to realize that this sport is in trouble you've got a collecting bargaining debacle brewing and they come out and say nobody nobody is eligible for the baseball hall of fame it's just ridiculous now uh, is there anybody who really believes that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not Hall of Famers? Kirk Schilling's not a Hall of Famer? It, it's it's ridiculous. And, and so this year of all years, with baseball kind of hurting, uh, and I think about to be hurting based on the CBA situation, these writers just really, really are letting the game down. That's a shame because Without the game, these writers are nothing. They all hold themselves out to this, to be these, you know, basically godlike judges of moral character. But you're nothing without baseball. They need baseball, and they're just killing the game with this Hall of Fame vote. I really thought it was outrageous. Yeah, and I expected it, but it was outrageous. The thing that really jumped out to me was the fourteen blank ballots. Is like. I mean, you're, you have 14 writers there telling you that no one in that ballot is worthy of getting a vote for the Hall of Fame. I can understand maybe you have a moral vote against, like, okay, I don't want to give a vote to Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or Schilling, but, like, you're telling me there's not one candidate on that ballot you could say is worthy of a vote for the Hall of Fame. I feel I find that hard to believe. It's, it's impossible, but now you're seeing the results of these guys who decided that the Hall of Fame is going to be a character competition rather than a baseball competition and that's why all these guys who we grew up watching are not in Bonds, Clemens Sosa, McGuire so on and so forth and uh, it's just it's a shame and it's a real shame with Bonds and Clemens because nobody can dispute that those guys were Hall of Famers even before they started using the drugs yeah for sure it it just bothers me and the Kurt Schilling thing is is different Uh, you alluded to that that's that's more just going after the guy for his politics and you know, he's supporting the Capitol rioters and all that. And, uh, you know, I, I think most people are in agreement that Kurt Schilling's politics are a little 
extremes, but I, I don't think your political view should keep you out of the Baseball Hall of Fame. The guy's a Hall of Famer. Look at his numbers. He was a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's one of the best postseason pitchers ever. Yeah, I think we need to separate, as you said, the two situations here. I think the Kurt Schilling one's the more interesting one, the more like, timely one, because he was the closest. He fell 16 votes short, and he's already taking a political stand saying, hey, don't put me on the ballot next year. I don't think they're actually going to do that because I sort of go against the bylaws of the Hall of Fame voting process. But the thing that checks out with Schilling is obviously the politics you mentioned. I mean, he's made slews of controversial comments over the years where they're homophobic, talk about lynching journalists and this whole supporting the capital insurrectionists. But it's made not mis- no mistake, as a person, Kurt Schilling is an asshole. We can be 100% clear about that. But the problem with the... That whole situation with Kurt Schilling is this Hall of Fame's like quote unquote character clause, and they sort of leave it very vague and say, "Writers, you figure out what the character clause means. We're not giving you any guidance on this." So they're basically giving the writers the excuse to not vote for the guys that they don't feel comfortable voting for. And Schilling deserves part of the blame here because it's hard to say I want to lynch journalists and go say, "Hey, journalists, vote for me for the Hall of Fame," but at the same time, this is a flawed process. The Baseball Hall of Fame is filled with bad characters all throughout its history. They've got Ty Cobb in there. Ty Cobb was known as a just a, a hardcore racist. Uh, com- I believe Commissioner Landis is in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. Yeah, another guy who spent most of his commissionership trying to make sure that African Americans couldn't play Major League Baseball. He's in the Hall of Fame. But Kirk Schilling can't be in the Hall of Fame? Why? It's an inconsistent double standard, and I think it detracts from the game because if you tell the average fan, was Kirk Schilling a Hall of Famer? The answer is, oh, yeah, of course. It's it's shocking that the guy's not in. in. Same with Bond, same with Clemens, who I I know you want to separate him, and I understand why. Schilling, maybe he dug his own grave a little bit, but if you can objectively look at the guy, his just his postseason numbers alone make him a Hall of Famer. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the thing with Schilling also is like these ballots were due in at the end of the year. So this came out before the January 6th insurrection where he was out there commenting on Twitter about how these people are great and you should supporting them. And I think if that deadline was later, he would have had a lot less support. And it just think is why he was sort of going to politically calculate this on Twitter. Basically, if he got in, he would have been like, oh, this is great. I love the writers. Good job, guys. And now he's going to say, I have no shot next year because I said because nobody's going to like my stance, so I'm going to ask off the ballot, which I think is a cowardly out, way out for Schilling. Definitely. Uh, and I'm hoping that it was key to the moment. He was upset, and he, he comes to his senses. Uh, but like you said, I don't know if Kirk Schilling has any senses anymore. But the guy is a Hall of Famer, and it's a shame he's not in. Yeah, like, before we get to Bonds and Clemens, like, I think the thing you have to ask here is the character clause. So ESPN's Buster only put a tweet out and said, hey, maybe it's up, it should not be up to the writers to, to find out the character. They need the Hall of Fame to do their own criteria because this is their museum. MLB has no affiliation with this. It's literally just the museum in Cooperstown. They're the ones who have to decide, put the plaques up on display. Maybe the Hall of Fame itself should say, okay, we put the ballot together. We can say that we've screened everybody and they pass our character test and put off take people off who we don't want in the museum. I think that's not a bad like short-term fix, in my opinion. Yeah, but what do you do about uh, the guys who were in there who we talked about earlier? Commissioner Landis, Ty Cobb. Are you going to kick them out? No, it's a, it's a problem because you have a double standard there, as you said, because this is something that the museum does not want to like, basically admit to. Right. So uh, I don't know how, you, how that solves it unless it's a going forward character clause, to me, the, the the better solution, I guess, would be for the Hall of Fame to come out and say, we don't want you to consider this character when you vote. We want you to consider the objective performance of the player. Yeah, sort of like what the, but, what the, what the Pro Football Hall of Fame does, like where obviously, I mean, like unless like you know that the guy's like murdered someone, he's getting in the Hall of Fame for, based on what he does on the field. Right. And... That, that would be a better way to do it. But even then, I, I, these writers, they have this aura about themselves that they are just the, the utmost judges of character. That's, that's always been the way that baseball writers, baseball writers, for some reason, view themselves 
as the upper echelon of sports writers, and and they, that's what they do. They they pass this uh, like this this judgment and holy sanctity on onto the uh, down onto the players, and I, I just think it's it's ridiculous, and it's a real shame that they did that in this this context because you've got. You know, you got players on the ballot who clearly are Hall of Famers, and where the sport is now, I think, I think it really hurts the sport. Yeah, because you also look at it too. It's like there's also like just like you see performance in like parts of this thing, and you're and you see some of the guys are in. I know this is not the writer's fault, but like the fact that the Veterans Committee put Harold Baines in, he has no business being in the Hall of Fame, and yet. We're sitting here snubbing Barry Bonds and Mark and like McGuire and Sosa and all those guys. That makes no sense to me. No, it makes it makes no sense at all. The the only silver lining is I guess they lucked out in that last summer they couldn't have the ceremony because of the pandemic. So at least they're going to get the Derek Eater ceremony this summer. So people won't talk about you know why Aaron Bonds and Clemens up there. I think, honestly, I think that might have been a factor with some of these writers who were just saying, you know, like, I don't feel comfortable putting Schilling in. I know there's people going there, so I don't have to give them my vote this year. I think that's possible, at least a small portion of the electorate. Maybe, but it's, it's again, it's just not right. It's, uh, it's a shame. It's, it's a real shame. Yeah, I think it is a shame, too. I think the other issue I have is, like, obviously the Bonds and Clemens thing. I mean, they've been running flat at, like, about 60% for about four years now, and... You know, like, this is the last year in the ballot next year. They're not getting 15% all of a sudden. Like, there's a clear set of, like, this percentage of the electorate says, okay, we're comfortable with the steroid guys. And then you have the 40% or so. We're like, no, 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 we are never putting a steroid guy in. And it just kills their chances because, for me, the tide turns when Bud Selig got put in the Hall of Fame, like, pretty unanimously. And Bud helped baseball profit off that era, did nothing about the steroid guys. And if Bud's in there, I think all of them should be in there. I agree. Uh, and, but... You you hit it right on the head. Bonds and Clemens, they're not they're just not getting in the Hall of Fame. That, that's what's happening. Those two guys are not getting in the Hall of Fame, and it is truly it, it puts a, in my opinion, a big, big, big damper on the Hall of Fame because you know you can make an argument that Barry Bonds is the best baseball player ever. Certainly, is the best player in the last fifty years. I'd say. I, I don't think that's even debatable. Uh, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens is not the best pitcher in the last 50 years. He's he's up there, not in the Hall of Fame. And, and then you got a guy like Scott Rowland. Uh, no disrespect to him, but Scott Rowland. He's going to sail in by three in years. A percentage, yep. He's going to get in, and he pulled in a percentage almost near Bonds and Clemens. Scott Rowland is, is just not, was never even half the player of those two guys. Good player. Very good player, but he was never a Bonds or a Clemens. So baseball is going to have itself the honor, so to speak, of being the only sport where two of the best players of the last, you know, 25, 50 years are not in this Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think also part of the Roland thing is a problem is that, like, I think you and I are at the small hall variety where it's like you have to be the very best of the very best to get in there, whereas now you have all the advanced stats arguments like, oh, like, Scott Rowland's war was great. But, like, if you watch Scott Rowland play, you're like, he was a very good player. He was never, like, the best third baseman in the sport. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put Scott Rowland on my ballot either, but that's not, that's not even what I'm, what I'm talking about. What, what I'm more so talking about is that whether Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer or not, I think you can debate it. But you can't tell me that Scott Rowland deserves to even be in the same breath as Barry Bonds as Roger Clemens. No, you don't. No way. They're a different class of player. Like, they're all-time greats. And the only reason they're sitting out is because there's a portion of the electorate that said, we, I'm never voting for a steroid guy, and that's why they're sitting out. Yep. That, that's exactly it. Although, we know there are plenty of guys in the Hall of Fame who use steroids. So, it, it just it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, the thing is, like, I'm convinced what this could happen with them is they're not going to get in by the writers. There's one exception, possibly. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I think the issue is going to be, it's like, eventually, maybe like 10, 15, 20 years, somebody in the Hall of Fame is going to say, you know what, I did steroids. There's going to be a big push to put all the steroid guys in in one shot once that happens. I think for now, they're trying to help so that we have evidence on them. They can't be in, like, theory. That, that's possible. Uh, but 
I think what's also, what could easily happen is that the whole thing just loses some of its luster. Yeah. People view it as a joke to say, yeah, that's, that's not a real Hall of Fame because it doesn't include some of the best players in the last 25, 30 years because of evidence, allegations, whatever you want to call it, or steroid use. Yeah, I mean, I've been to the museum recently. I know the people in the museum will tell you, like, look, like, we have, like, representation. Like, they're in there. There's not kind of a plaque at the gallery. I would be there. I assume that's their counter, but it's not the same thing. No, that, that's not the same thing at all. Uh, and, you know, uh, there are there are a lot of people who are represented in the Hall of Fame without plaques. Uh, a lot of the Negro League players uh, have that honor, so to speak. And, you know, I think it's a slap in the face, really, not an honor. Yeah, at the next year's ballot, the 2022 ballot is fascinating because it's the last year on the ballot for Bonds, Clemens, Schilling if he stays on the ballot, and Sosa. Then you bring in A-Rod and you bring in David Ortiz, and it's going to be fascinating to see where those two vote totals fall because A-Rod, obviously, he had a steroid suspension. He's tested positive a couple of times, and now he's basically trying to rehab his image over the past few years by doing all the baseball pregames and stuff and trying to become an owner. Plus, you have the David Ortiz thing where he was supposedly tested positive in the 2003 survey test. And they said now all those were actual positives. He threw a hissy fit about it. And then it's never really been brought up since. I mean, just to see where those two numbers fall. I Those are very hard to predict for me. I, I think A-Rod is not getting in. But Ortiz, I don't know. I, I think he may actually end up in the Hall of Fame. But, but who knows? It's, it's hard to predict with those guys. But I agree, it's interesting to see how they, they play out. Uh, but I don't know what you think. But to me, A-Rod, just, I know he's done a lot of PR work. It's, not, it's just not enough. Yeah, I don't think it's enough for him. I think Ortiz is getting in. I'm right there with you. I think he's going to sail in about like two, three years. I don't think they're going to give him the first ballot. But I think there's something about him where the writers love him and he's made such a big stink about like, I never tested positive. I was tested for 16 years and never had a positive test. That was... My name should not be in that report. And he, I think he's gonna, he kicked, he stamped his feet enough and, and was made loud enough about it that people kind of forgot about it. Well, you know, that's gonna upset the Yankee fans like me, but, but I think you're right. And it's also would be upsetting is like if he's a guy who potentially has a positive test and gets in, how is he in and none of these other guys are in? Uh, he, he denied it. I, I can't answer the question for you because nobody knows because this is, ultimately just comes down to whoever the writers determine uh, is passes the holy sanctity test that they impose. No, I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, if he does get in and even, I don't think I'm with, I do not think it's the first ballot. I think there's no shot of that. I think it's this. He's, I feel as you treat a bit like Mike Piazza was where like there was suspicion on Piazza and then they just denied him for a few years before they put him in. I think it's going to have Ortiz. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, but A-Rod, I don't think he's ever going to crack. The, I think he'll peak out around where Bonds and Clements are. The only thing that benefits A-Rod is that, like, when he, he's coming on the ballot a decade after they are. So maybe at that point, enough of these writers sort of, like, drop their votes and you guys come in who are more in mind of the, hey, like, we're not holier than that about the steroid thing. So A-Rod was the best players we've ever seen. We'll put him in. So I think that might benefit him because he has longer wait time to see if the electric changes. Maybe. That, that could help. Uh, I, my, what I've seen is the younger voters tend to be a little more forgiving of the steroid guys. Yeah, because at, at first I was more in line with the older older crowd where I'm like, okay, you know what? Like They, they cheated. They shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Then, like, one, like I said, the, the switch flips. When Bud goes in, and Bud profits off the whole off that era. And, oh, Bud saved baseball after the strike, and Bud got the wild card going, and he ignored all the steroid problems, and he should not get the profit while the other guys just sit there and rot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, you know, it's it's a little sentimental to people uh, in our age group because the the mid nineties to mid two thousands, late two thousands. That's that's. That's our childhood of, of baseball, and to see a whole generation of players just not in the Hall of Fame—that's that's that's tough for somebody who grew up loving baseball during those years, and uh, that's what really built my love of the game to where it is now. Yeah, that's a, that's the Hall of Fame situation. I think we're pretty clear about they have issues with that, but let's get some of the other things right now. Which is number one, I want to talk about the whole situation of whether the season's going to start because. 
Baseball has its own set of issues. Like, we still can't determine if the Nationals have a DH this year, and both sides need to want it, and then wants to give it to the other. But, well, something that was interesting that happened this week was the, the Major League Baseball got a letter from the Cactus League, which is the spring train, the Western's team's spring training facility, like, league, saying, hey, please delay spring training for one month so that we can get coronavirus under control in Maricopa County, which has a very bad COVID problem right now. But Alice Koff of The Athletic reported that the basically somebody involved in the writing of the letter said that Major League Baseball themselves, like somebody from the league, reached out and said, hey, write a letter so it can help like convince us publicly to push the thing back. What do you think about this situation playing out? The second that came out, I knew that was a setup. That, that is, it, it's ridiculous. Major League Baseball will do anything it possibly can to delay and delay and delay until they can think, hey, we've got enough of vaccines in people's arms to have fans in the seats now. Uh, it, it's, it's completely ridiculous. You mentioned this to me off air. The, the Coyotes are playing hockey in Maricopa County indoors. With fans. With fans. No problem. But they can't play spring training baseball without fans. Outdoors. Outside. Makes no sense. Uh, look, we've got enough data now from baseball and football that you can play these sports outdoors under certainly limited conditions, but you can play and do so in a relatively safe manner. There is no reason that baseball cannot start this season on time other than Major League Baseball wants to get fans in the seats, and they know that that's not happening in April. Yeah, and here's some quotes in that article from The Athletic from Alex Coffey, and this is, this is a couple of sources here. This first quote, basically the position that the league stayed on the call was that they were open to delaying that the players were not, one source said, and that a document like the letter may help push negotiations along and allow what you guys would like, which is a 30-day delay. The representative was very direct, another source added. They believe it is time to push off spring training for a month, but they're having problems with the players because they changed the necessary to the CBA for that to happen. He supported a letter put pressure on players to push back spring training a full month. I felt it was made explicitly clear that the owners are supportive of this, this source said, this source added, that they would like a delay of the season. So that's a pretty damning word from those Cactus League sources. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is. It's a, it's a setup. They're trying to delay it to get more fans in the seats and the owners probably don't want to play those games at all. They'd love to cut the season down to 130 games or so and not have to pay the players for those 30-something games. But, but look, uh, the, the, it's set up. If it does get delayed, is it the end of the world? Maybe not. You know, the, the season used to always start in the middle of April anyway. So if you push it to the end of April and increase the number of doubleheaders throughout the year, I guess you can still get to the 162. But it's not in good faith. I don't trust that the owners are going to do that because they want less games and more games in front of fans. That's all they want. Yeah, and the position the players have had, obviously, as the article noted here, like this is not a situation where the owner, where I think right now there is, I don't think, I, I think clarify you on the federal government's role here at the state of emergency situation here. This is not a situation where a man freaking unilaterally say we're shortening the season. This is one we have to negotiate with the players and the CBA and make an amendment to cut it down where the owners went to the players and say, hey, let's push it back until May 1st to give you time for a vaccine to get out a little bit and get, start getting some crowds in here. The players say, fine, pay us for 162 games then. And that's not going to go anywhere because the owners are trying to save a little cash here and get more revenue streams. And that's sort of what the holdup is right now. Exactly. If the owners are really concerned about the health, then there's an easy fix. Just pay the players for the month of April and we'll start the season on May 1. But that's not what that's not the concern. It's, it's an obvious setup and it's, it's really embarrassing for a bunch of billionaires to be doing that kind of thing over one month of the season. Yeah, because right now you would probably, I think you would start to get some fans allowed in buildings. I know New York recently did a, like a test of the Bills playoff game to see if it would work with their contact tracing protocols and like all that stuff and getting COVID tests. So I could see them maybe doing something like that in April and maybe like, like 5,000 fans at Yankee Stadium. But like, I not the Yankees want to have like 45,000, not 5,000. So if they're taking a month of like 5,000 seat games, that's a, that's a hit. Sure, but, but the reality is that the Yankees are not getting 45,000 people on the seats until July, I think. Yeah. At the earliest. And, and that's it. So how come the NBA could play, the NHL could play, the NFL can play, but Major League Baseball can't figure it out? Don't buy it. 
Yeah, I don't buy it at all. And this is something I think is interesting with the change in the federal government and Joe Biden's administration taking the, vi- the virus much more seriously. Although, to this point, the Biden administration is not really an active state emergency, not trying to lock anything down. They're saying, like, be safe, mask up, and, you know, like, protect your fellow citizens, but we're going to do the best we can to get the kids in the schools and get the economy functioning again. So that's to be another strike in favor of the players against the owners. Yeah, and I think that's going to continue. I know uh, oh, it must have been six, eight months ago on this podcast, I mentioned that that was a concern that that could potentially happen. But I think that since that time, the data's come out. We've seen that it's possible to have some semblance of normal masks obviously needed and, and keep the data and the cases and the hospitalizations really somewhat under control. So uh, I, I don't think the Biden administration is going to declare a state of emergency or anything like that. So Manfred's looking for help from Joe Biden. I don't think he's getting it. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case because we were speculating about that. It's like, oh, like, will they put a national emergency in to try and sort of take get people to take the virus seriously? And the vaccine sort of changed that math where they said, okay, like, we're going to get the shots out faster. The Biden administration talking about getting, like, you know, back to getting to the herd immunity threshold by the end of the summer, which means – if you're the NFL fantastic, you're going to have basically full crowds in September if a plan goes off that hitch. But the MLB, you just have like most of your season with like reduced capacity, which is not ideal for them going into a CBA negotiation. No, it's, it's not ideal. But you know what? Uh, there are, you could do this. You know, may, maybe you have testing at the stadium. Uh, maybe you have proof of vaccination in order to, to get into the stadium. Uh, there are ways to get bigger crowds in there in the summer months, but th- that's, that's the situation that the owners are in. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a bad situation, but it, it is what it is. And again, it's time to just be real, be real with us. I, I do not believe them that they can make this work economically because there's no way that the other major sports can, and they can't don't believe it. Yeah, and we've seen them try and continue this myth in the free agent market, which is sort of another thing that's sort of been striking is how slow the market has been when so many like quality players are either stuck taking one-year contracts or they're not getting signed at all because we want to talk about the air. There's about five teams, I think, offhand. We can say are actively like trying hard to get better this offseason. I think the Mets are in that group, the Padres are in that group, the Blue Jays are in that group, and there's a couple of others that like, Everybody else either standing pat or doing basically shuffling the deck chairs to not do anything. So not it's not good right now, the economic situation in the sport. It's, it's terrible. I, I was telling you this off air. I think it is absolutely terrible. I think it's a catastrophe and a disaster that really needs to be addressed immediately. Uh, you know, it, it, you got to take a step back from this and think about something. Trevor Bauer is a free agent. Can you name one team in Major League Baseball that would not be improved by having Trevor Bauer in their starting rotation? No. The, the answer is no. Yeah. There's not a single team that couldn't use Trevor Bauer. Yet, how many teams have been linked to the guy? One to three, maybe? Yeah, I think got four tops. But how is that possible? If Trevor Bauer or a player of his caliber was a free agent in the NBA, every single team in the league would try and sign him. Now, of course... Some teams wouldn't have a chance, like we saw when LeBron was a free agent, and Durant was a free agent, and so on and so forth. But every single team would try. The fact that you have major league baseball teams who just, yeah, we don't want Trevor Bauer, and you saw it last year with Garrett Cole, same thing. It's it's a disgrace, and it's a broken system that that really needs to be fixed, like uh, like immediately. That's our next CBA, and the the fix for it may have to be a salary cap on the top end with some sort of a floor on the bottom end, which uh, it would be a tough pill to swallow for both sides. But at least you would get some sort of semblance of competitive balance again, because it's, it's just tough. It's, it's tough to take any of this seriously when you know that there are teams that just aren't even trying. They're just not trying to win. Like you said, there, there, there are the, the two or three guys on the top who are actually trying then you've got teams like the Yankees who are you know, doing what they have to to stay competitive, but doing it at a very cost-sensitive way. And then you've got other teams like the Indians. Uh, so they're just not even trying. They're, they're, let's dump off salary. 
we, we don't care. Tampa Bay Rays dump off salary, even though we made the World Series. It's a, it's a disgrace. It cannot be allowed to continue to happen. It's not a competitive sport if you do that. Yeah, I mean, the Indians are a perfect example here. I mean, they trade a top five player in the sport because they didn't want to pay him his appropriate value in salary. So, like, they took, like, 20, like 40 cents on the dollar to get the trade done and just get him off the books for 2021, which is not the way a, good, a proper sport should be run. Right, and, and you know what you hear? You hear, well, they're mid-market, small market. Well, guess what? The Cleveland Cavaliers were able to re-sign LeBron James when he was there. The Milwaukee Bucks, they just re up Giannis. Those are small market teams. How come they can do it? It, it is, it, it's a broken system and it needs to be fixed now because the sport is getting to the point where you just have a tremendous, I wouldn't call it a competitive imbalance, but it, it's a, it, it's, there are teams that just are not trying. And I think it's at least half the league. And the two things that worry me that the trend is going to continue. One is expanded playoffs. The more you expand the playoffs, the less teams have to try. Because, you know, you could tell your fans on, hey, we were in it until the end. We won 78 games. Uh, all we needed to do was get 83, and we would have had a shot to win the World Series. That's a problem. And then two is these teams and through the media have perpetrated this myth that the reason we're not spending money is because we have our analytics guys and our analytics guys, they don't sign these people. They, they, they know they're smart. Please, there's not a, show me the analytics guy who says don't sign Trevor Bauer. And I'll show you a guy who should be given a pink slip and heading out the door. I think to that the second point, I think there are two exceptions to that rule, which is the teams that have major problems with their stadiums and they can't get the revenue that way in their markets is Oakland and Tampa Bay. And they've actually used analytics to be competitive most of the time. But like if you're the Pirates, if you're the Orioles, if you're Detroit, you can't be sitting here and saying, you know what, like we have a process. We're going to be good in four years because then you just punt in the can down the road every time somebody, your players get good enough to get paid. You're dealing them off and starting the cycle over again. Exactly. Uh, exactly. That's that's exactly what happens. You're starting to see the beginnings of that with Houston now, uh, and you know they got the World Series. But you're seeing that. You're starting to see even with the Cubs, even, and that's a big market team. Yeah. So I want to be clear about something. Like I love analytics, and I'm happy to come on your podcast anytime and talk analytics for hours and hours and hours. Uh, to me, they they are the the way to win. I'm not knocking analytics. What I'm knocking is this idea that analytics tell us not to sign Trevor Bauer. They don't. That is a, it's just a bold faced lie that these teams know they could get away with because the fact of the matter is most fans don't understand complex analytics. So they could say, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's stuff that we can't really explain to you, but analytics tell us Trevor Bauer is not that good. No, but the thing that the thing the thing that they'll try and sell you on is like when fans ask why weren't we spending money, they say, "Oh, we're putting into player development and we're going to develop our farm system and have a young, sustainable, winning team." And then like they basically say, "Oh, look at all the projects we have in the top hundred. Look at the Baseball America list. Like knowing that these number these lists are not going to help you win this year or in two years, they might help you win in four years. They might not because not all prospects pan out. They're all lottery tickets to some sort of degree, and they can just keep selling you hope and like." Something's coming. Look over. Don't look here at the 56-60 win team we have. Look at the AAA team down there that has a bunch of our fun prospects. Yeah, that, that has exploded in the last 10 years or so. The internet has helped helped explode that. But yes, teams have been able to hide behind their prospects. We got prospects, prospects, prospects. And then, like you said, prospects are a lottery ticket. Some of them pan out. Some of them don't pan out. That's how it works. But, but you're right. Uh, they've been able to point to prospects, analytics, and uh, just just general, you know, we're a small market team. And between those three things, they've been able to hide behind uh, hide behind those three things to appease the fan base. But, but to me, where baseball needs to realize they have a problem, it's not just that, but now you've lost the big fish. So they were used to be able to survive on this because you had the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers who just didn't care. They were going to blow the luxury tax out of the water. It didn't matter. And at least it created a situation where these top free agents had places to go. But that's not the case anymore. 
the, the Yankees are offered. They treat that luxury tax like salary cap. They, they're they, not going over it. They dumped, they dumped the guy for salary. Yes, they, they traded out of Eno for salary. Uh, now, I, I was talking to you before we went on the air. I actually think O'Day is a better pitcher, so I think they may have improved the team by doing it. But, but absolutely, that was a salary dump. And you look at the Yankee fan base, and you'll see exactly how they're able to get away with it. The Yankee fans love it. They absolutely love it. They love that the Yankees are not going out there and signing the big guy anymore. They're homegrown players, yada, yada, yada. But go down the list. You know, let, let's go down the baby bombers. How many of them have really turned out to be anything? Is Sanchez anything special now? No. No. I don't think you even want the guy on the team. Tyler Wade, is he any special? No. The utility player. Clint Frazier. What, what did he do? Aaron Judge is always hurt. Is. Aaron Judge, great player. He's been hurt a lot. So who, who, who else? Miguel Andujar? Who knows what the hell he even is? Yeah, you can't really count yeah. Glaber because he was he came from a trade from the Cubs. Not even like you developed him entirely on your own. Yeah, and then you got Glaber, and look, uh, Glaber needs to make a step up this year. But but the point is that of those guys, you can probably say that maybe half of them have panned out, the other half haven't. And and, and that's what happens with prospects. So the Yankees have been able to supplement their team because they. They spent a little bit of money, actually. Garrett Cole, their best players are not people they home grew with the exception of Judge. Yeah, and you give credit to Cashley for that because he's done a good job of like shipping out the prospects he doesn't want and turning them into major league players who can be useful. But like they do treat that luxury tax like it's a hard cap. The Dodgers have been trying to stay under it. The Nationals used to go over all the time. Now they're ducking under the tax. And like who knows at Cullen how often they try and go over the tax. He might go over it this year, but like. Again, we don't. Uh, he seems to be an exception to the rule here. We don't know if he's going to be content to pay the tax every single year, keep give his team the best chance to win. But like, it's more an exception to the rule at this point. Absolutely. Uh, look at what the Yankees did with DJ LeMahieu. What the Yankees did with DJ LeMahieu is almost a st- impossible to believe. They gave that guy a six-year deal over ni- for ninety million dollars just to keep the annual value down. So they, they locked themselves up to LeMahieu for an extra few years so they could keep his annual value down and keep under the luxury tax. They, yeah, I think they could have got LeMahieu for four. for four years and $80 million. Easy. Yeah. You could have easily. They gave him an extra two years just to knock down his annual value. Good, good for LeMahieu. Uh, obviously, you know, if you can get paid for six years instead of four, you can take that deal any day. But, but yeah, it's, it's a big problem. When the big fish don't want to spend then the middle guys are definitely not going to spend and the bottom guys are not spending at all. And you've got at least 15 teams who aren't even trying to win in Major League Baseball right now. And I, I really think the only fix, I was opposed to it for years, but I've come around. I think they need a cap with a floor. Yeah, that's never going to go through because the players will never give them give in on an idea of like, oh, we're going to limit our salary potential because teams don't want to, because te- don't want to take the Yankees out of, out of the running for us ever. Right, because everybody wants to be the next Garrett Cole where the Yankees decide we need you, we're just going to blow everybody out of the water and get you. Or the Mets now. Or, or now the Mets, right. But, but the union, you have to remember, the union's job is to protect the average player, not Garrett Cole. They, Garrett Cole's a member of the union, but they, they have to think about the average guy, the average free agent player. And those are the guys who are really getting hit the hardest. Yeah. I think the ones who... I think they would benefit a team, but they just they sit there until February because no one wants to pay them. Yeah, I think the other thing is, I think you're right here. I think the expanded playoffs, like the players have to, I think the players are on this that they do not want to give that to the owners next CBA because, as you said, it, it disincentivizes the extra spending because, like, why am I going to try to go from like an 80, if I think my club is on an 83 win team, why am I going to try and make an 88 win team when I basically have the same odds of getting into the playoffs? It's not going to boost my odds anymore. I don't have to gain a significant advantage if I win the division. Right, and, and the, here's the difference. People say, well, hey, you know, the NBA and the NHL have expanded playoffs. Even the NFL to an extent. In the NBA and the NHL, it is so rare that you see one of these eight seeds beat a one seed. Almost never happens. Yeah. The, the final is always the one seed, the two seed. That's even been going on in the NFL for the most part lately. I, I know Tampa Bay just made the Super Bowl, but for the most part, you've had ones and twos. 
baseball, by the nature of the sport, is set up such that in a five-game series, some 82-win team can easily beat a 100-win team. And, and the owners know that. So you're right. Their, their whole thing is we'll keep our fans engaged. Our fans will think we went for it. And if we make the playoffs, who knows? Get a couple of lucky breaks and we might actually win the World Series with 83 wins. Yeah, the goal is to be the 2006 Cardinals, not be the 108-win Red Sox. Right, and, and that cannot. And in baseball, that is possible. It's very possible in baseball. You know, you look at a team like the Cincinnati Reds last year. I know, I know they ultimately lost, but you're going to tell me that with a staff that they had that you couldn't see them going on a run? No, at least they were trying. Though, they were at least trying, though. No, uh, sure, sure. But my, my point there is that you give me a team that's got a couple of good pitchers and you put them in the playoffs, I don't care if they won 82 games, they can make a run. Yeah, and, and the teams know that, and that is why they are – you can basically shoot for mediocrity. You don't have to shoot for greatness. Yeah, and I think also the thing with the salary floor is also – that's the thing the players would probably be sh- should be shooting for is to make these teams like the Orioles and like the Pirates actually spend money on major league players. But then again, like it's a complicated issue because then they might say, oh, like we'll just take somebody's like bad contract off their hands and hit the floor and not really try the same way. Possible. But sure, let's let's take a look at a team like the uh, Pirates. That's a great example, the Pirates. What the Pirates have done this offseason is, is just, it shouldn't be allowed. They have unloaded anybody on their team who makes even a little bit of money, including most recently their trade with the Yankees for Italian. And that guy doesn't even make a lot of money. He made $2.5 million. That's what the Yankees wanted. Because they wanted to get the low AAV hit on the uh, luxury tax. Right. But they dumped him off. Dumped him off. It, they dumped off uh, Josh Bell. They dumped off, uh, what's his name? Names escaping me, the other pitcher. Musgrove. Yeah, they sent Musgrove to San Diego. Yeah, dumped him off. This isn't, this isn't competitive. This, this isn't, they're not trying. Not only that, I mean, they're, they're bags. They're not doing great. The, they and the Orioles and the Mariners and that sort of like we're tanking class right now, but like, the teams in the middle are the ones that may be frightening here because you had the Cubs who just won a division last year and had the core of a team that won a World Series in five years ago. They're ripping it down to the studs right now because they don't want to pay because they're claiming they're losing money. You have teams like the Cardinals who made the playoffs are just basically sitting on their hands, not doing anything. And you have teams like the Rockies who have two superstars that are doing nothing for about four years to try and help the players out. And you, that's why both Arno and Trevor Story both want out of Colorado. It's not a sustainable system you have going here. Sure. And Mike, you got to look no further than the fact, first of all, we've got players on the free agent market, such as Nelson Cruz, still out there. Ozuna. You got Ozuna's out there. Uh, Didi Gregorius even out there. You got guys like Marcus Simeon get a one-year contract, even though he's a pretty, very good player. But to me, the most indicting thing against Major League Baseball is that Saguno, the, the Japanese pitcher, and now it looks like Tanaka would both rather pitch in Japan than pitch in the Major League because yeah. nobody will pay him. Yeah. That, that is a bad look for Major League Baseball when the Nippon League is essentially a more desirable place to go. Yeah, you can't have that because especially Tanaka, I know, like, the thing that bottom the Yankees didn't make a harder push to retain him because of their ability at the innings. I think he asked for 15 to $20 million a year, and the Yankees chose to give Corey Kluber, who's pitched one inning in two years, $11 million for one year. They didn't want to get Tanaka a multi-year contract. Right. So they'll tell you, oh, you know, we're swinging for the fences. And you can, look, we could talk about if that was a good move or not for the Yankees, and it, there's some logic behind it, but... You can't again. You cannot tell me that there are at least a handful of teams in Major League Baseball, and I think more like half the teams who would benefit from adding Tanaka to their rotation. Yeah, and we do have a baseball trade in the hopper here, which I think is interesting because the Mets are Mets have made a deal. I'm gonna get the breaking news up here again. 
they sent Steven Mass up to Toronto for three prospects. So they are they are also clearing the decks a little bit in his five million off the books. That sounds to me like making room for Trevor Bauer. Yeah, which is again though, it's a luxury tax consideration here because they're trying to limit their exposure as best they can. Sure. But uh they are trying to limit their exposure. I get that. I mean, the other thing, I don't know. Do you really want Matt hanging around? Uh, a guy, what value does he have anyway? Yeah, no, he's their fifth starter, basically, at, the, at this point in the season. Right. So if Bauer's coming, that, that, that's a good move. But you're right. That is clearly a salary dump by the Mets. Uh, and hopefully they replace it with a better pitcher. Yeah, right now, the back of their rotation is David Peterson and Joey Lucchese. So you th- you figure they have something in the works that they've made the move because they've at least, they've at least been trying. I would suspect that they're going to announce a deal with Trevor Bauer very soon. Yeah, I would think so. If not them, at least I think they got to be in for like a Jackie Bradley or somebody else who could fill one of their holes, maybe a Justin Turner third base. They're going to be looking at these guys. But like, this is a tough offseason where I mean, like, can you? I think you can count on maybe you can't even get the two hands of how many guys have signed multi-year contracts. Yeah, absolutely. There's another one. Good name. Good name drop. Justin Turner. So yeah. Turner's been one of the best hitters in baseball for the past few years. Dodgers don't want him back. I don't believe it. Yeah, I think it's. I said his mark is four teams. Justin Turner, which makes. I guess he wants to play for a contender, but still, four teams could be in on that. Yeah. No, that, that's the guy. There aren't many teams in baseball who wouldn't benefit from a guy like Justin Turner in their lineup. Yeah, it's, this whole situation is a mess. We'll we'll check back in around spring training. Hopefully, more of these guys this time. I'm sure Barrow will have a home by then. We'll see if the and this is the last thing I want to get to before we go. It's like, how ridiculous is it that we do not have any clarity on whether the National League had a DH about a month before spring training starts? It's it's absurd, but it's a it's a crystal ball into what's to come with the labor negotiations. Because I think you're right. You alluded to it earlier. I think it is just simply a situation of both sides want it, but they don't want to give the other other side anything. Yeah, because the last I heard with that was that the owners offered in a trade for expanded playoffs. The players said, no, we're not giving that up that easily. Right. Because, again, players recognize that expanded playoffs means more mediocrity. Uh, but, like, 100%, they, they uh, I, I'm sorry to the National League fans who are listening to the podcast. There should not be pitchers batting in Major League Baseball. It, everybody's known it for at least a decade it's, or, or longer. It, it's, it's stupid. It puts these players at risk to get injured. They, they can't really hit the ball anyway. There should be a DH. The only reason there's not a DH is not because the National League owners are uh, faithful to the history of the game is because they don't want to pay the extra couple of million dollars in payroll to carry a DH on the roster. Unless they get something in return. Unless they get something in return. Right. That's all it is. Because think about a guy like Nelson Cruz. If the National League had a DH, all of a sudden there are 15 more teams that we can sign with. And that drives his market up. Same and for, the National League owners know that. Same for Ozuna, because Ozuna was a big, big, big guy for the Braves last year. In fact, he's still sitting on the market because Atlanta doesn't know if they can play him left field or not. Right, big bat. Not sure if they can play him in left field. It's, that, that's all that is. So I'm sorry to the National League fans. It's, uh, it's, I'm sorry to the people who love the double switch and the, and the bunting. But th- this is not about the National League owners trying to preserve that anymore. It's about money. That's all it is. Don't want to pay the, the extra couple of million dollars for the DH, but good on the Players Association for recognizing that these guys are trying to give us a bone and 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 take a bigger bone in return with the expanded playoffs. The the universal DH needs to happen. It's needed to happen for years, and I'm hopeful that it happens. But you're right. It, with January 27 and 15 teams don't even know what rules they're going to play by. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it also affects team building. Look at the poor Mets because, like, the Mets right now, like, they are sitting here, like, debating, like, should we sign a guy like Jackie Bradley who has to play every day, knowing that if we do, we have to bench one of Dom Smith, Brandon Nemo, or Peter Alonzo every game, or do we instead, you know, take the chance and sign, like, a platoon guy like Albert Amora or, like, bring back Jake Marisnik instead because we don't, we can't afford to bench Dom Smith, like, four times a week. Sure. Uh, The Mets are a perfect example. The Mets would tremendously benefit from having a DH 
and if they could go out and get a pure defensive center fielder, they, they, you know, I don't have to tell you this, the Mets are not a very good defensive team. They improved with Lindor. Lindor's a great defensive shortstop. So they improved up the middle and McCann's a good catcher too. But they they don't have a center fielder on that role. Who's playing center fielder? Conforto? Nimmo's still in center, still in center field right now. Uh, yeah, Nimmo. Yeah, okay. Uh, th- those aren't great center fielders. Bradley's a game-changing center fielder. You're right. And if there was a DH, you could bring in Bradley, stick him in center field, and it changes the, the dynamic of the team. But who knows what the rules are? Same thing with the Braves. You mentioned it. Maybe if Atlanta knows that they got a spot for Ozuna, they pencil him in at the DH and they'll bring him back. Yeah, and you think about the Mets situation here, like with that, if the DH is in play and you bring Jackie Bradley on this team, you put Brandon Nimmo in left where he's a much more effective fielder than he is in center field. He's in not he's a miscast in center field. He's fine in the corner. And you're able to put Don Smith at first base most of the time in DHP. You're becoming going from like a bad defensive team to a, at least an average defensive team, probably a good one at that point, considering the amount of talent you have on your roster. I I think so. Yeah. It's uh it's a shame, but every little thing, this is what you're going to see for the next year. These these two sides are at, at each other's throats. Nothing's going to be easy. Every single ask is going to be going to require a big give. Yep, and we will see. And, we'll see if they get to show up at spring training on time because I know that both sides are saying they want to, but the owners think they're still going to try and pull shenanigans, try and delay this. Yeah, well, if you remember last year, both sides wanted to play baseball and, uh, you know, we didn't kick off the season until the end of July, not because of COVID, but because we spent a month arguing about how much we were going to pay each other. Yep. I feel like we're more live for more of that. Phil, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And, uh, you know, just the, the parting thought for the viewers. Think about that. Masahiro Tanaka would rather pitch in Japan than the Major League. That's how far Major League Baseball has fallen. All right, and there you have it. That's a special bonus podcast for you with our legal guy, Phil Fry. I talk about the whole baseball situation of the Hall of Fame, the economics of the game, more stuff like this podcast, including my look at the George Springer situation with the Mets. And right now, it looks like they're using the savings on Springer to try and do some other things. We'll see what they are. Check out the blog over justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering and those podcast platforms. Find all episodes there, including our episode earlier this week, but I spoke to John Dostransky from WFAN. Check that one out in the archives. Just search for Just and the Suffering on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe as well. Leave your feedback and star ratings. I'll make this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. Check out the YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Individual segments of every episode are up on the YouTube feed right now. That's all for our bonus episode of the podcast. Coming up next week, we have our Super Bowl preview of Russell Baxter. We have NFL picks, some Super Bowl lead-out talk, and more. Until then, have a good week, guys. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.